Welcome to Cinema Around the Corner. My name is Ben Wager, along with my co-host, Don Gibson. Hey there. And today we are coming at you with two films from our series on films from directors who are well-known, but these films aren't necessarily their big ticket films that were uh, credited them with their name and increase the reputation so to speak definitely not today's films we're going to start off with a film from 1978 called comes a horseman uh the director was alan j pakula uh and he's a well-known director he's um you know if you if you know uh he's even in the 70s with westerns which this is a western uh comes a horseman maybe you figured that out uh clute in the early 70s that was a film he had done uh and then of course all the president's men which is a, a well-known classic and that also was him he's he's actually got quite a resume of, of great films uh this film was written by dennis linton clark and stars quite an all-star cast here jane fonda james Kahn, jason robards and our old friend richard farnsworth who we ironically and I'm, this was, I didn't even know this guy was in the film when I picked it, but this is his first credited role was in 1978 for this film. Wow. Previous to that, he had uncredited roles and he was really known as a stuntman. That was his, that was his way of getting through this. And the, the craziest thing of this was he was nominated for best supporting. So his first credited role and his last credited role, he was nominated for Oscars for. So that was, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and happens to be back-to-back episodes of Cinema Around the Corner that we talk about these things. So crazy. It's all connected. And, and none of this was plotted out. It just randomly happened this way. Uh, and then the cinematographer was uh, Gordon Hugh Willis, who I believe Don is a huge fan of Gordon Hugh Willis. I, I am um, a huge fan. He's done in the seventies. He basically did every movie that ever made that was famous for anything. He was in it, <laughs> involved in. Uh, he did all the God. I think he did the Godfathers. Did um, he did all the all a lot of uh, acute, uh, he did all the President's Men, um, and I will tell you that in, in my opinion the real strength of this film is is him in the cinematography in this film i thought was fantastic and perhaps the it, only strength yeah yeah it was you, you know we'll, we'll get to this but yeah this film uh the way that it was shot was uh you know the only thing that kind of kept you going really and um this is a story about a uh you know it's a classic western story the interesting thing though is that this actually is a post-world war ii western which you don't see a lot of post-World War II Westerns. This was, I think, uh, set in 1945, very shortly at the end of World War II. There's an evil um, mega rancher who wants all the land in the valley, and he's working with the evil bankers and the and the evil oil men who are now starting to realize oil is very valuable. And there's just a whole bunch of evil people on the corporate side. And then there's the holdout rancher, Gene Fonda, who just opens the film burying her husband, who uh, was a World War II casualty. You know, we see uh, Jason Robards, who plays a, you know, almost evil Emperor Darth Vader-like uh, character here. He just just seems to get ev- more evil as the film goes on and just really dark and just hardcore. And he's very good. I like Jason Robards. I think he's a very good actor. It's, and, uh, yeah, it's interesting you point out that he's the evil guy because in All the President's Men, which is a film, like, you know, you talked about, about the Nixon Watergate trial, um, that he, he played guy. the editor of the newspaper and he was the good guy in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, and then Richard Farnsworth is the loyal old ranch hand guy 
for Jane Fonda. And James Kahn plays the neighboring ranch whose uh, partner gets gunned down by one of Robard's henchmen. Uh, and ironically, Robard's name, I think, is it is it Ewing in this? Or was that the oil guy? I can't. Ewing. Oh. They, they sure. actually they actually used the same family name as the Dallas family, J.R. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I can't remember if this guy was, I don't, I think it was the oil banker dude. Uh, and he gets killed too. Everybody, you know, basically everybody, almost everybody dies, but the James Kahn and, and, uh, Jane Fonda who, you know, they develop a relationship. She, they have to build trust. Da, 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 da. It's, it's a classic story. It's not very, <laughs> You're summarizing uh, it beautifully. Yeah, it's not very uh, original. It's been done a million times, and they don't do it particularly well. Um, they do it terribly. You know, I will say that the 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 amazing thing about this film is, I didn't know anything about cattle herding or anything, but man, this could have been like a a how to cattle herd because the, the the technical skills that they show in the film and it, you know and remember this is all pre CGI and all that stuff so they're really doing all this stuff or herding cows and they there was just a huge amount of, like I didn't know that, that you had to go herd them in the forest and stuff and you had to zip around the trees and it, it, and it felt like you know Return of the Jedi or something with the Ewoks and the lander things going through all it was uh with the horses and it was uh it was impressive um I thought that the way they shot that was a that was the most interesting part to me was them herding the cattle because it just seemed very realistic the way they were doing it and i've never seen that level of commitment i mean the way that they were jumping you know actually lassoing the the cattle and jumping off the horses and and it was the actors doing it i mean you actually saw jane fonda like lasso and she practiced her lassoing skills uh before she even was in this so i mean she took this very seriously and, uh, you know, they put a lot more energy into that than any other part of the film, in my opinion. Overall, you know, the film has the classic ending of, you know, they they try to be murdered by the evil guy, Robards, but they, they escape the burning house. And uh, and then they uh, have a big uh, climactic shoot off, shoot that, you know, showdown thing with the guns and, out the, and uh, like the OK Corral thing. And, and, and they get him and he dies and he gets dragged away off his horse and tragically... During that scene, uh, the actual stuntman who had been dragged away on the horse, which is the scene they used, hits the pole of the entrance into the ranch and actually died making that that stunt. And they just cut that scene right before his head slams into the entrance pole. Uh, but they used the scene where he actually dies, which um, that's kind of weird, too. Yeah. Well, getting back to that stuntman thing, I, you know, I read that, too. And it's so gruesome knowing that. And I can't believe I mean, the footage isn't terrible because he's being dragged off and it's, it's very dramatic, but it is, it, it cuts right before. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's very macabre watching that moment. And I told my wife and niece, I was watching with them and they're like, what? That guy was actually killed? I'm like, yeah. So I don't know. It makes, it's kind of like the only thing interesting about the film, as you said, except for the cinematography. And that was very gruesome. I totally agree with you. Uh, Gordon Willis, uh, beautifully shot. You know, he his nickname was the Prince of Darkness uh, because he loves yeah. as much darkness as possible. So there's a lot of great shots inside where it's really dark, like in a you know the old saloon or in any of the interiors. But then it's contrasted these gorgeous shots. It's shot somewhere in a in Colorado, and the shots are absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, majestic, majestic, majestic. Yeah, but it doesn't save the film at all. I mean, uh, the chemistry between uh, Jane Fonda and James Caan—it's just a disaster. There's, you know, she's like a tough, you know, the person working on the ranch, and she's trying to prove herself in a man's world. And so finally, James Caan, you know, gets her to wear like a nice little dress, a gingham dress for the 
country dance and they dance and they're laughing and the next shot we cut is they're in bed together and i've never seen a more wooden romance it was just awful and you can see you know it would have, it, i remember when this movie came out there was a lot of hype about it because jane fonda she just she she was doing a number of films she just did or was going to do coming home she she was a big hot property and of course Khan had just come out of the success of the godfather and um he did a number of films and i, I think they they matched him up as this huge you know marquee thing and it does not work at all no um i would you know. agree i would agree interesting you said that saloon there was a saloon scene with uh richard farnsworth and um uh james con where james con beats up some of the bad guys uh yeah hired hands and in that scene in the background sitting in, in at one of the tables is al pacino in a military uniform uh as a, a little cameo in that in that scene he's sitting, sitting yeah yeah which i didn't I even see back. i didn't see it but i read about it in um in one of the in some of my research and i yeah. i wanted to go back but i'd have to rent the film again there's no way i'm doing that <laughs> so when you're doing that yeah, no yeah, yeah. so yeah. Uh, that's not worth my 3.99 forget it no yeah well like that scene is it's so there's there's these two henchmen that are like the, they're going to terrorize you know jane fawn and james Conn. and they come up and James Conn beats them both up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah, that's the conflict. There's no, and they're old guys. Like yeah, these are the henchmen. Yeah. I mean, they're totally. And in the end, they burn a house down, and they're 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 bad fellows. But they're not. They're total bungling henchmen. They're just yeah. They they lose a lot of henchmen in this film. You know, there's a lot yeah. of henchmen. Um, yeah, uh, that doesn't work either. No, there's a reason why this is a little known film by Alan. There Potter. is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it is a shame because, you know, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Pakula has, you know, he's done some well-known films. He also did Sophie's Choice. So he has worked with very well, you know, well-known actors, you know, Meryl Streep in, in, in that and Redford and Hoffman and President's Men. And it's not like he doesn't know how to handle and direct them, but, uh, you know, the dialogue is terrible. I, I, I guess there was nothing to save in this film. There's, uh, I guess Willis is the only thing that, and actually the film did okay at the box office. Yeah, so. well, I mean, with those names, I mean, I think he went for something here. I mean, he was going for like a, this realistic experience of, of Western life, but you know, the realistic experience of Western life is really boring. And, uh, and not, you know, that's not the part that you want to focus on. You want to focus on the conflicts and the, and all the other stuff and you want it to move a little faster and, you know, we don't need to watch them sitting in, you know, candlelight reading books next to each other or whatever the hell he was doing in that in film because it just, you know, it just, there wasn't, like you said, there was no chemistry between the two actors anyway. And so it just, it just didn't work. I enjoyed the cinematography. That's, that's all I'll say. The only thing that could have saved uh, this film is if Tim Curry from Rocky Horror Picture Show took James Caan's role, then I think it might've worked. Or just took James Caan in the film. That would have been, that would have been a little more interesting, you know, a little, little, yeah, a little, uh, little, Transvestite is what was that? What was that? Um, uh, the film with the gay cowboys? I can't remember. Oh, that's uh, Brokeback Mountain. Broke back, a little Brokeback Mountain woven in there. Maybe that would have. Maybe that, that like something. That would have up. Uh, we'll have to uh, just let this film be right off into the sunset. Move on to the next film. This That might have been our shortest coverage of a film ever, by the way. Yeah. Well. So our next film is uh, Don's going to introduce, and uh, it's, it's quite a uh, quirky little thing, too. Go ahead, Don. Yeah, well, so it's a little bit off our, our brand slightly, you know, the, as you said, the, the film, what a, fil a filmmaker is really known for, but not entirely. The filmmaker that I am was looking at is Matteo Garoni, and he's not as well known here, but he did do, he's Italian, and he did do an incredible film called Gamora, 
um, in, in, tw- in 2008, set in Italy about the the mob in, in, in Naples. So, you know, he's not a, as a well-known director here, but he is a very well-known director in Italy and internationally, and I know him because I'm a film guy. But he also did a couple other films called Dogman and Tale of Tales. All, obviously, many people won't know those, but they're both nominated for Palme d'Or. So he is a well-known uh, director. And the film that, that I wanted to look at or we're looking at is Pinocchio. And I have kind of a fascination with the Pinocchio. When, when I did my undergraduate uh, thesis in college way back when, I actually did it on Walt Disney. And so I basically watched all the Walt Disney stuff. This is up until 86, so that does uh, date me. And so I watched all these films, you know, all the features and the shorts and all sorts of stuff. And then Pinocchio, of course, is one of the films that Disney's known for. And that that's probably the most famous version here, the Disney version. And it's really interesting and uh, in a, I guess, a negative way, or it's really disappointing because they Disney really took the heart of Pinocchio out because he makes him just a really cute little, you know, wooden boy that just is sort of cute. But there's a, there's a real darkness to the story of Pinocchio. And that this version of it that, that Garoni does, he brings that darkness from the original story. It's by uh, Italian named Carlo Collati. And he brings, he's very close to the original telling of the story. And we don't have to go into all the details of what's the same, but a really simple you know, idea that you, we should understand is that in the opening of Collati's book, like on page four, um, Pinocchio, there's a cricket that's, you know, his conscience, as we all know, Jiminy Cricket from the Disney version. Um, Pinocchio kills him in page four of the book. It's the ghost or the shadow of of uh, the cricket that haunts him the rest of the film. He keeps thinking about the cricket that was telling him to be a good boy, et cetera. And that feeling is definitely maintained in this film where he doesn't kill the cricket, but he does throw a very heavy hammer at it. And you know, it looks like it could have killed it, but it doesn't. So that tone, that, that feeling of violence, that darkness of, of what fairy tales come from is, uh, is maintained beautifully in the story. So it's one of the, one of the reasons I really like to uh, talk about it. Um, what was uh, your reaction to the the film, Ben? I would say that was bizarre, creepy, and weird. Uh, that those yes. are three. Those are the three uh, adjectives that I would describe this film as: bizarre, creepy, and weird. I thought I watched this. I didn't know the real story of Pinocchio, or I don't think I've even seen the. I just don't. It's not a thing that I ever really got into. Unlike you, who has a fascination <laughs> with Pinocchio, but it was interesting. You know, I, I there were some there were some highlights to this film that I thought were. In, I thought, yeah, Roberto Benigni as the as uh, Geppetto, Geppetto. he was, you know, he showed a real genuine love for 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 Pinocchio that yeah, really came across. You know, he's such a good actor. The kid was good. I thought he was very good. Uh, yeah. I I found uh, overall the acting I thought was very strong, but all the characters. You know, I didn't. I didn't really sense a real weakness to that. There was a. It's a very twisted story, and it kind of had a little Alice in Wonderlandish kind of vibe to it. I thought, and unfortunately, I found the dubbing and the uh, the voiceovers and the subtitles not syncing very annoying. That to me was a little bit of a distraction. That I'm listening to this. The subtitles were not to the dub. It might have been to the original Italian, maybe. But then the way that they did the voice dubbing in English. Uh, it just if I found that to be just an an overall distraction throughout the film. When I watch foreign films, I always watch subtitle version. I keep it in the original language because I find the dubbing very distracting. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I turn the the English dubbing off and just have the subtitles on. Yeah. Well, thanks for that tip. Why? Well, yeah. Okay. And uh, interesting though, Garoni actually paid for the dubbing out of his own pocket for it to be distributed. Um, yeah. 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 I think uh, the Italians are very well 
versed in dubbing. They, they dub everything. All the Italians are very used to it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, but, you know, it just had that kind of like cheesy 70s, 80s dub voiceover dubbing thing that, you, you know, you, yeah. you, the Europeans always used to have all the time. And it well, just, interestingly, Benini did his own dubbing. So it was his own voice. And I think there's a couple of the actors. Yeah, I think there was a couple that. of them that did their own voices. Yeah. Like the kid, I think, was the kid. And then some people had like, even their Italian was dubbed, you know, so I don't, yeah. it's a twisted story and it just, you know, just kind of, just, just when you think it's like, oh, maybe it's going to normalize here, it just creeps out a little bit more and gets a little more oh, yeah. and... But that's the, that's the thing that's amazing about it, because that is based on what the original story was like. I mean, Pinocchio was taken by this puppet master, uh, Mangiafuoco, and he, he's going to burn him alive because he wants to cook his mutton. And he just barely escapes from being burned alive. And, and then he's hung by the fox and the cat because he ate his gold coins. And there's this long scene of him like hanging there, you know, like from his neck. And then there's another scene where he's thrown into the ocean with the rock tied to him as a donkey to be drowned. And all these sh- scenes are really graphic. Yeah, you yeah. know, kind of reminded me like that whole, I guess, you know, maybe Europe was just such a crappy place to live in the late 1800s <laughs> that, you know, all these countries had just grim fairy tales, you know, like the Germans and the, they Hell all yeah. had like really dark, twisted, freak kids out fairy tale it's almost like they weren't even for kids you know it was just kids in them uh but you know all of these stories are just super twisted you know the the german ones the italian ones the, the northern europeans they all had twisted fairy tales yeah and that's the thing like you know i you know obviously there's the, the americanization of them and and so like this is you know when i talked about my this thesis that i did in undergrad they did it to all the films you know peter pan there's a real edge to peter pan too and and all of them uh, and that so the whole the Disney thing is like, you know, good is good and bad is bad. And so Pinocchio can't be partly bad. He's a good boy. And they take all that out. And then so this whole thing of good versus evil, you know, the Disney way of doing things, obviously, we, we know that. And it's, um, you know, they've had to modify things because they realize it's so, you know, people get a little bit tired of it. Obviously, they've done really well with it. But it's kind of awful how they've destroyed these original stories. And I love, so this film Pinocchio did incredibly well in, uh, in Italy and in Europe. It, to, it was released in, in the fall of in the, at Christmas of 2019. And it was scheduled for release here in the spring of 2020. And obviously that got destroyed by COVID. So we don't know how well it would have done because they had to do it um, virtually. And so it had some success here. And I'd, I'd be curious how well it would have done because it, it does it definitely defies the Disney sensibilities. And it, you know, for me, it's like it's actually telling the story that Carlo Collati was telling. And, you know, I mean, it's it is there is a real harshness to it. And I but there's also a real love to it. As you say, Geppetto, he really cares about this wooden boy and he's he's kind of a nutty fellow. But there are people that the, the good fairy in it is a lovely character. And there is really, there's a lot of caring in it, but Pinocchio is a real awful little schmuck of a kid or a wooden boy. Eventually he comes around and he's, you know, he finally finds the error of his ways, but not before he's just caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the, it, another interesting thing is it, it, it's got a lot of play Pinocchio right now. I think Guillermo del Toro is going to put out a, a Pinocchio film. I'm even hearing that uh, Tom Hanks yep. wants to do one as well. So it seems like Pinocchio's, He's he's in play right now. He's hot. Yeah. You know, there's a exactly. lot of uh, we're ahead a of lot the of Pinocchio happening right now. I, I mean, I don't know how many more. I mean, you know, Del Toro is going to make it even darker than uh, yeah. this guy did probably. You know, there's, 
there's three versions actually. There's one that's cut this out right now somewhere. It's streaming, and it's got Pauly Shore as the voice of Pinocchio. So, and it's a, it's a cartoon, and and Pinocchio is like an acrobat in a circus, and it looks really bad, but it looks so bad it might be good. And then you're right, Zemeckis is doing a Pinocchio with Tom Hanks as Geppetto, and Del Toro's is coming out at, at on Netflix at Christmas. Maybe he'll save Netflix. We'll see. Yeah, yeah maybe. maybe. Yeah. You know, it, you know, going back to that darkness of Europe versus the polarization of of good and, and evil that the U.S. does. It's interesting because I think even now, when you see adaptations of of things that came from Europe, it's still there. Like you know, the Europe side tends to lean kind of dark and and cataclysmic in its constant storylines of things that that they still find amusing. So, like you know, for instance, The Office. Like if you watch the office of the US, right. it's like, oh, it's kind of funny, you know, and there's usually, you know, lovable characters and, and they're doing, you know, bad things, but then, you know, things work out or something. But then you look at the office in England, the original one, which Ricky Gervais, it's just oh. dark all the way through. It's just, there's no redeeming positive characteristics to this guy. No dude. redeeming it, aspects you know, at all. And, and it's just interesting how it, it kind of yeah. got Disneyed yeah. over here a little bit almost, you know? And so it's it's still happening, I think, on a certain level that uh, well, I mean, we take I, the European stuff and we, we Americanize it. <laughs> Mar Marvel Universe is exactly that. I I don't know when this universe is going to leave because I can't I can't stand these movies that have taken over so many theaters, and that's what it is. Is this ridiculous good versus evil, and they're going to destroy not just the world but the galaxy, then the universe, and then somehow they all it all works out, and they're they're having you know chummy conversations and hugs at the end. And yeah, well, I mean, how is that different than the Star Wars stuff? You know, it's just a reboot, well, of a different story. You know, it is a little different, but I mean. I mean, I the, the first Star Wars, I think, was was really quite that well done. And eventually, when you actually mentioned Ewoks, Ewoks was the end of the Star Wars for me because it was just so stupid. But I mean, Star Wars, you know, it, that was a play a part, like, a, you know, it was they're messing around with B-movie conventions, but with better technology and uh, they nailed it. But then eventually they killed it. So well, they, they made money and then that's when it twists. Right. I know the whole thing's about making money and no one cares about any of the, the genius in it. But uh, yeah, oof, Marvel, I I keep thinking it's going to end. And now I'm thinking I don't know how it's going to end because I just keep making more of those. Yeah, movies. Well, there are certainly we've just lost a good sponsor. Thanks, Don. Oh, well, maybe they'll make like Pinocchio a Marvel superhero. Yeah. Well, some of them are good, like the Guardians of the Galaxy. That one, oh. I like those guys. Those guys are I fun. like that little root guy, the little tree. Group. Yeah, the tree dude. And, the, and OK, the, he's already there's, there's some line. like that. The main character yeah. of that guy. Uh, you know, that, those movies are man. that guy's always smart ass, smart alec. He's like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. save the universe. It's like. I don't want the guy in charge of saving my universe. That's not the guy. Yeah, well, who's the guy? Who, Don, who's going to save your universe, Don? Who is that? Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, the politician? Yeah, that's the person. And she's not fun and, you know, smart talking. Yeah, she's yeah. going to do things practically. Well, I'm, I'm excited to read that script, Don, when that comes out. That'll be I, exciting. You know, smart, smart talking, goofy guys are not going to save our universe. They can barely... Like they pass it every night being in the clubs too much. They, they can they can like barely do a podcast. They can barely do a podcast. <laughs> they can barely listen to it. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you have, off topic, but that's okay. You have some final points on uh, Pinocchio, or did, did well, we I love Pinocchio. Well? I recommend it highly. Yeah, I thought it was you know if you like bizarre, creepy, and weird, then yeah, this is a very good film. I think. Fair um, enough. 
But, uh, you know, it's not this, you know, like I know I'm not a big kid storyline person, but uh, definitely a little twisted, a little creepy. And uh, uh, I'm like looking David forward out. I will now watch the Del Toro one just because I know it's going to be even darker I'm and more twisted. That. But interesting film. Very, I thought it was well done, uh, but it just didn't, it didn't grab me personally. Mm, okay. All right. Well, that covers uh, this episode of Cinema Around the Corner. We thank you for listening to yet another quality podcast by Don and I, and we look forward to offering you another episode of Cinema Around the Corner. So take care and have a good day. See you later.